0: You're listening to KZO Allen, on Oleander Public Radio.
1: Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with Dave and DB. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I'm DB Spitzer here with David Heath, as always, to my virtual right. Dave, how the heck are you doing this week?
2: I am doing the heck well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Looking forward to this weekend, or if you're listening to this in two weeks, last weekend, or if you're, well, whatever. You get the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking forward to the next weekend from when
1: we are recording this. Exactly. Exactly. So, someone's going to hear it at some point in time. In real-time space, it's Sunday the 12th. Um, it is my birthday. Um, I am X many years old. Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to be talking about Ward Phillips, the Dunedin and you've got an interview, I believe, with someone. Yeah, so
2: with uh, Adam Bolivar,
1: who we're who is a painter.
2: Uh, excuse me, not painter. He's a poet yeah. and a writer. And a puppeteer.
1: I was going to say puppeteer as well. Yes, yes. And
2: we'll be discussing all of those, as well as old English versions of North North mythology.
1: Whoa, that sounds like fun. All right. So, um, yeah, yeah. How's your week been going? How's how's everything going? Uh, out on the newly located farm.
2: Oh uh, well, it's well. We're we're bringing in boats, are bringing in hay, and uh, uh-huh. we're getting the barn. So it's been busy. Yeah, it's yeah. been busy here in Swan Island, where there are no swans, and it is no longer an island.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it's called Swan Island based off of its shape, or, S- or, or or the person who founded it. It could be, but it was, it was an island up until about the 20s. <coughs> yeah, and I believe there was actually swans there until the 20s as well. Probably. The, the <laughs> reason
2: why they, they filled up the 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 space between uh, the island and the shore yeah. was, and of course, nobody cares about this but me, but it'll be fast. Two things. One is it was creating a navigational hazard in the Willamette River— yeah. but also it's where the first major Portland airport was, ah. and they wanted they wanted the um, landing strip to be long enough, so they started on one side of the shore, and filled up uh, Swan Island's uh, the channel, and then stretched it all the way through to Swan Island, and you can still see the markers and the signs there.
1: And um, what's what's the part of Portland that it connected to the island itself. It connected to. Um, it, it is 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 it on the north side or the south side that it got connected?
2: I was not told that there would be any math.
1: <laughs> I'm just uh, trying to figure out so, if it's uh, above, so it's. uh it's on the
2: opposite uh, side of the Pearl.
1: Yeah. So is it's it's Mox Landing then? Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. I, I, I have to look this stuff up. I mean, I, I I grew up in that area, so it's like, oh yeah, that's out by the naval base. is a little bit further, but
2: <laughs> and across from from it is where they're talking about building the baseball diamond.
1: Oh, interesting! Interesting. All right. Well, enough uh, old Ooh. business. Uh, let's let's move on to new business. Uh, who's Who's uh, Ward Phillips?
2: There, first of all, not one, but I have come up with four or five Ward Phillips.
1: In- I only have
2: three. at <laughs> those. So here's the question. Yes. Well, how do you... What is the plurality of Ward Phillips? Is it Ward Phillipses, or is it Ward Philippi,
1: or is it...
2: Multiple people named Ward Phillips. What's the what's the proper plural, plurality of Ward Phillips?
1: Much like Pokemon, it is Ward Phillips. Oh. A okay. room full of people named Ward Phillips is a Ward Phillips.
2: Gotta catch them all.
1: Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Which, which Ward Phillips do you want to start off with first? Okay. So the oldest Ward Phillips that I can talk about is from, I believe, uh, a Lynn Carter bit and a uh, RPG book, Miskatonic University, and something written by Lynn Carter called The Winfield uh, Heritage. And that is the first president of Miskatonic University uh, back in 1670. Uh, donated what is mostly known as the library that'll later be known as, uh, the, uh, Miskatonic University library in, uh, 1693, uh, instrumental in witch trials in Arkham and, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Is that Uh, one of yours? Yes, one of. And, and, you know, we ought to, you know, sort of address the obvious, too. Uh-huh. So so there is a, a, another one. Okay. Howard Phillips' Lovecraft. This is okay. obviously, of course, a, a play on, and this wasn't one of them, but I was thinking maybe there's a few people that didn't get this.
1: Oh, yeah. This is a play
2: on Lovecraft's name.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, I, I, and, yeah, Lynn Carter was the first one to make that play on that name. To my knowledge, uh,
2: there, there's. I think you're. I think you're correct. But, but Lovecraft's going to use them too in a couple places. Oh sure.
1: All right. So do you want to go number two? Okay. You, you, t- you tell me about number two. I'm curious about number two.
2: Well, so, so I think I know which three you're talking about. So let's talk about maybe the most important one. All right, and this is going to appear in um, Beyond the Silver Key. Okay, in about two paragraphs, and in the first, his name's only mentioned once, Uh, and he's first described as the old man, and then he's he's, then he's described as name is as Ward Phillips, Mm -hmm. and he is the person who tries to get the courts not to uh, split up. Randolph Carter's estate. Okay. And give it to his distant cousins. And on the grounds, of course, that he's in some other form, astral projecting to the universe, which is absolutely correct if you read the story, Uh but not the type of thing that you were thinking would give to, um, you know, uh, testimony of and, and not get crazy. And so this is was created by Lovecraft, of course, uh, and I think it reflects him as an, an older person. Yeah, uh, was this one of the ones that you had? Hmm,
1: it's not one of the ones that I have, but oh, I, be- I believe that's 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 more uh, Derleth in Lovecraft. But, uh, I think Lovecraft wrote the
2: through Beyond the Silver Key.
1: Oh, 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 oh! Uh, I'm looking at through the gates of the silver key. Oh, maybe. Lambsbell House Red and Return of the White Ship.
2: Okay, so it's beyond the beyond the gates of the silver key, then. Okay. Okay. Is where. It, where where he I just misnamed it. And so what I actually did is I brought that one up back on, on PDF, uh, and uh, I typed I typed in Ward, and he, he he only appears once, and he's in two paragraphs.
0: okay. Uh, and cool. the first
2: paragraph talks about him being a um, uh, uh, you know, an old man, and then it gives him his name. and I, I oh. believe that was written by Lovecraft.
1: All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. okay. All right, so uh, who's the next one we've got up on plate?
2: Uh, So he is the writer, and this one, I believe, was Darylith, of the writer of the Thromagetical prodigies of New England and Canaan.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also a pastor of the Second Church of Arkham.
2: Yes. Yes, he was. Or, um, yes, yes. Which was like the first Baptist, like who's on something first something like
1: that, yeah. Who's on
2: first, but um, yes, and he is, I believe, was hinted or at by Lovecraft, but I think this that is derelict. yeah. And here's a point in one of the stories where he basically hints that this stuff is true and that this is this book is a warning,
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah no no uh so that would have been lurker at the threshold lurker, he was friends, that's his, yes yeah he was friends with uh elijah billington <laughs> and uh yeah no um lurker at the threshold yeah no um librarian miskatonic university 1805 well, let's see what else
2: um. So you like the other two that I found? Yeah, yeah. So he is a character in one of the Mythos uh, card collectible
1: games. Okay. Where
2: he is a 17-year-old student, sickly student, who is able to project himself into the Dreamlands to escape his injuries. And diseases, and so this is, I think, interesting, because in the card game, you know, and of course it's based on Lovecraft, it's based on Lovecraft as a you know a seventeen year old, and then in you know uh, through the gates of the silver key, you know, we have him as an adult. Yeah. So I think it sort of comes full circle. Here's the other interesting thing that's a possibility: is that maybe. Ward Phillips, although it doesn't quite match, maybe he's some of these nameless protagonists of Lovecraft.
1: Yeah, no, he's no. He's a friend no, of that's... Randolph
2: Carter. And,
1: and... Yeah, no. If it if it can't be Randolph Carter, I assume it's Ward Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, no, ready? No.
2: Oh, are you ready for number five?
1: Hold on one second. Hit me. Okay, so
2: number five is in... Uh, Richard Stanley's Colorado Space. Oh. That's the name of the engineer or the the surveyor. Okay. So and again Stanley did this as a pun, but maybe maybe the the engineer and the name unnamed engineer in uh Colorado, Colorado Space might have been ward Phillips
0: Uh, or possibly,
2: or maybe old man ward Phillips relative or descendant.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Those all seem like uh, likely, likely ideas. Yeah.
2: So, so those are the five ward Philippi or ward Phillips, or however you want to pronounce it, that I found.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, no. That sounds like a, a a good good amount of Ward Phillips. I don't think we could find any more. Hey, if you're out there listening and you know where to find more Ward Phillips, check us out on Facebook under People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Or you can contact us at PGTTCM.com okay. or PGTCM at gmail.com.
2: And, and there has to be well, – and, and you know, there obviously are people whose names are Ward Phillips because I came across a bunch of them, uh, a dentist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a bath teacher. But I'm going to probably guess that most of them, since they also seem kind of old, most of them, their parents didn't know about Lovecraft.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, also, we have a, a YouTube page uh, – People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, that you can check out. Uh, There's two of them for some reason. I don't know why. I think I forgot the password and started another one, and then remembered the old password and forgot about the other one. So, All right. So on to the next thing. Dave, quick question. All right. Who are we going to be talking about today? Who are we talking with? We're talking with Adam... uh, Bolivar?
2: Bolivar, yes we are.
1: All right. Well, we'll talk about uh, him after this little short break. And then after that, there will be another little short break. And then after that, we'll be talking about...
2: The Dunwich Horror. What? The
1: movie. Woohoo! 1970. American Internationals, The Dunwich Horror. And you know if it's made by American International... It's a quality film.
2: Is that like an oxymoron?
1: Oh, for yeah. us, I mean, at least, I mean, it, it, yeah. It no, no. I'm I'm having a little bit of fun. Oh. All right. No, What's no. It?
2: International American.
1: Oh, international. Yeah, is yeah, that an oxymoron? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I thought you were talking about the film. It's okay. Ah, uh, yeah, no, no. American International. Um, I don't know. It, it may be an oxymoron. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. All right. Um, It's an American film That's internationally distributed Oh Alright We'll see you after the break everyone I want to tell you all about something I want to tell you about a guy I know In a place This is Dave's Corner of the Podcast It is awesome It's gonna go fast Ha, ha. Ha, ha it's not the part where DB talks forever, ever, ever, no, it's Dave's Code of the Podcast, Dave's go of the Podcast, Dave everyone
2: Alright, well this is the part where I talk to somebody whose name is not DB, or any form of the initials DB, well kind of it is Adam Bolivar. Adam, welcome back to the show.
3: Thank you. Well, my initials are AB, so
2: so almost, almost. Yeah. And I, I was actually looking over some notes here. And last time we talked was, I believe, in September 2021. We well, not the last time we talked on air, not necessarily the last time we talked. Right. And so we are so glad that you came returned.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah.
2: In fact, in that time, I don't know, just recently, you've got three books coming out, right? That's that's a, that's a quite a, a quite a plurality there. Congratulations.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there I've I've had a kind of prolific couple of years. Oh, right. I think uh, partly because of COVID, I think, yeah. <laughs> like nothing else to do, right? So I just spent a lot of time writing. Yeah. So uh, one is
2: Edinfell of Beacon.
3: The oh, the Ettenfell Fell oh. of Beacon Hill.
2: Oh, Beacon Hill. Excuse me. And, and the other is a a Wheel of Ravens, right? And a Ballad for the about for the Witching Hour. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about them?
3: Yeah. So um, they're all all three are pretty different. Um, so the first the the first one the the Fell of Beacon Hill um, that came out over a year ago, but um, hmm it's uh it's good to like keep keep plugging it i think because i don't know i feel like it's one of my best works ever oh it's a it's a series of occult detective stories set in uh, 1920s boston
2: you have me at occult boston and 1920s
3: (laughs) yes well i i'm from boston originally although i live in portland oregon now so it's a it's kind of a Bit of a valentine to the the hometown okay but, but it's set in the 1920s and it's about a uh, a boston brahmin uh they're like one of the sort of upper class hoity-toity people that you okay. don't see much of anymore um and they all live on beacon hill which is this very kind of very old-fashioned very like kind of exclusive Part of Boston that all like the old families live, like the people who descended from the Mayflower kind of people. Mm. But uh, John Drake in particular, though, he's shunned by most of the other Boston Brahmins because he's got kind of a reputation for, um, for being kind of a satanic dabbler. <laughs> oh. but, but he's, uh, he's called the Ettenfell. And he's like one of a hereditary line of people who, um, Kind of can fight uh, Supernatural horrors Like demons, vampires And whatever else that kind of Tries to come through into our world So inevitably kind of people turn to Turn to him for help uh, When you know they find that their Mansion is haunted or something Okay Okay But I did a lot of research okay.
2: And you said it's been out for a while Where can uh, our listeners get it?
3: Um, So you can buy it on um, Jack and Press, dot com, okay. um, and you can also just buy it on uh, Amazon. Where all books are easily accessible these days. Excellent.
2: And I got to, Oh, I've got to admit, I love the title "A Wheel of Ravens."
3: Yeah. Um, well, so so "A Wheel of Ravens" and "Ballads for the Witching Hour" are both poetry. Um, they're both uh, pretty different, though. The well, let me let me um, talk about ballads for the witching hour first because uh. that one is more recent. That one just came out um, a few months ago. Um, this one is available from Hippocampus Press, and it's a collection of well, of ballads, mostly. Because um, so I write I write poetry in formal rhyme and meter, um, but they're very folklorically influenced. They're all um, like uh, like Tamlin or Thomas the Riber, like in okay. that tra- in that tradition, like they have a lot of kind of medieval influence. Um, but um, the uh, the third the third book, uh, that one has not come out yet, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, it's called A Wheel of Ravens. Okay. Uh, and it is so I got i've I was invited to an anthology of what's called alliterative verse which um, I was not that familiar with. And once I started, learned about it, I got really fascinated by it because alliterative poetry is the poetry that um, like old English and old Norse uh, texts were written in, like Beowulf yeah. or like the Norse sagas or like the Eddas. Like, you know, it, it's like a traditional Germanic form of poetry, mm. which has kind of disappeared. Like people don't write like that anymore. So it it's... Um, the difference between it and like rhyming poetry is that the the sounds at the beginnings of words are alliterated or like repeated. So it's oh, kind
0: like, of okay.
3: like reverse rhyming. Oh okay. so um and that's what all those old like old English and old Norse poems were written in. And it's like a completely forgotten art form. It's, it has a lot more rules than that. Like there's more to it than just like uh, the alliteration, like there's like a, like a very complicated meter. That goes along with it and there's rules about how things get alliterated which uh i won't like get too deep into here but um but um so i it, like it it got it got me really fired up so i wrote a whole collection of poems like that in like oh. the tra- traditional old english meter and there's a lot of like norse mythology influence in in the poems too like i write up but but i wrote um poems that were based on the Old English version of the Norse gods, not okay. the Norse ones. So, like, Odin was called Woden by the English. All right. And Thor was called Thunor. Um, so, for some reason, like, the Norse names kind of got remembered, and the Old English names weren't weren't remembered. So, I was trying, I'm trying to revive that, like, alternate mythology, which I kind of think gives the book mm. a little bit of a like uh, originality to you because everyone writes stuff about odin and loki and stuff but not many people know about woden and luca (laughs) which is like oh oh i'm sorry but i'm sorry but anyway I, I, i i there was a phd professor of old english who kind of was encouraging me and giving me advice on how to write them and he wrote the foreword and he pointed out that this is actually the first collection of like traditional alliterative poems um ever written like, like original poems. Oh, so um, that's pretty, that's a pretty big distinction, I think.
2: Wow. Congratulations.
3: Yeah. Thanks.
2: Now, I'm going to probably throw a kind of curve for you, but I've got a personal question that I'm just really curious.
3: Yeah, sure. So
2: I'm not really an expert on North mythology. Okay. I'm very curious as a kid. And I wish we had the internet, so, but I'm familiar with the term load and it's a, do you find yeah. that the characters in the Middle English version are are different than the characters in the, the, the Norse sagas?
3: Well, so the, the problem is that there is very little um, mm. information about the English versions because they were Christianized ah. a, lot, a lot earlier. It's only like small fragments exist. Uh, and... Um, most of the information we get actually were written down by Christian monks, and they yeah, deliberately, I, I read, they, right? they, deliberately like, didn't give us information.
0: <laughs>
3: They're like, oh yeah, well, there were these old gods. They were called Odin and I uh, called Woden and whatever, but we don't talk about them anymore, sort of thing.
2: We're gonna keep all the good stuff out.
3: <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of frustrating, like. That's I think that's mostly why people just go with the Norse versions, because that's the ones that we have more information on. but So I, I kind of basically did a lot of imaginative reconstruction. Hmm. I mean, I st- you can kind of assume they're pretty similar hmm. there, but um, there probably were differences, but we just don't really know.
2: But I imagine as a, a creative and an author, that gives you a, quite a big a, a sandlot to play in.
3: Yeah, actually, I, I think it was um, inspiring in a way, because I kind of got to, like, come up with my own versions, of kind of what I thought they would be like, the, the, the like, a lot of scholars are very, um, they're hesitant to, to, like, you know, speculate on things, because they just don't sure. have the information, but I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a writer, so I can, like, write. I can, like, speculate away, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't some crossover, but, yeah, a creative's got a lot more play than an academic.
3: Right. So I've got some leeway that academics don't have, but I, I am careful to point out, I write an introduction to, like, tell people that a lot of the assumptions I make are not necessarily historically accurate. So don't, like don't go buy my book and use it as like some kind of academic source material because it's not,
2: <laughs> don't cut and paste it and put it into
0: Wikipedia.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's educated guesses basically. But, but I mean, some people, I mean, there are people who like practice like kind of Norse neo-paganism yeah. or English neo-paganism and um, they make kind of assumptions or re- reconstructions to like You can, like, maybe you hear Odin talking to you in a dream or something, and, you know, who's to say that it's not not true?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, no. And (laughs) and I can say this because she doesn't usually listen, but you've already convinced me what I'm going to get my mom for her birthday.
0: (laughs) Oh, well.
3: well, the book hasn't come out yet, so um, well, I don't Well, know
2: when... her birthday's in September, so she, we got a little while.
3: Okay, they, I think there's a good chance it'll be out by September.
2: Okay, well, she may, she may be getting an IOU, because my mom is, loves North mythology and loves uh, poetry, so... so oh, well, well there you it's go. Like, it's like you've been writing it for her, so...
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... um I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it'll inspire other people to, to write poetry like this. Because, like I said, it was a, it's, it's a, it's a lost art form. It was the, the traditional poetry used by like the Old Norse and the Old English, um, like for probably centuries, maybe even thousands of years, and it would just kind of got like suppressed and like, like it was kind of deliberately squashed because I think it was considered pagan. So. So I'm bringing it back. Yeah. So, so the
2: the north north god of poetry is that Barque? Oh, Braki? Bragi. Bracki. My so my mom gave for my birthday gave me a wooden carving of bra- uh carving icon of Bragi that was carved in the Ukraine.
3: Wow, that's pretty cool. I yes. should get one of those. He, I guess he's kind of my uh, <laughs> kind New of patron? my patron god, right? Yeah. Although. Uh, Odin, I'll I'll just call him Odin, because it's more familiar. But it's kind of considered the god of poetry too. Hmm. Like he has um something like uh he won something called the mead of poetry. Oh, okay. Uh, like it's it's like this kind of like magic mead, and if you drink it, um, supposedly it makes you a brilliant poet. So I'm hoping he maybe gave me a couple of drops.
0: Well, that sounds like it. <laughs>
2: now, I I have this sort of i'm trying not to insult myself but it, i'm kind of slow jumping gears going from one thing to another i mean i jump well it's it's hard for me to go from one thing to another sometimes and, and here you seem to just be switching you know seamlessly between you know uh uh you know horror mystery poems and ballads how do you do it
3: well i mean going from ballads to you know old English poetry wasn't much of a jump. I've always been interested in traditional forms. I kind of wish I had found out about the old English poetry sooner, <laughs> honestly, because that's kind of what I was looking for when I was doing ballads. but um I was really looking for like the the really old stuff. but um the the writing the I, I am mostly a poet um writing the horror um stories was kind of a kind of a new thing for me but oh. i i I didn't find it um like i don't know uh i kind of find it it it, it's not that big of a jump for some reason i included a lot of poems in 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 the book too in the uh the the edenfell book oh okay um i kind of i actually bring in norse mythology in the book too believe it or not so like i'm still kind of like
2: christmas present
3: (laughs) yeah you can get her that one too (laughs) Yeah or or I maybe more of a yule present right Yeah exactly <laughs> so
2: Do you think do you think that how can I phrase this that the spirit of poetry sort of sets the tone for your prose if I'm making any sense or not there
3: Yeah well the I kind of like that's part one reason I like Lovecraft uh, is he is his language is very poetic. Yes. Like, like it's, he's not just like writing a story as simply as he can, like the actual care he puts into the, the words and the kinds of words he uses is very uh, important to him. Like it almost feels like he's basically just writing like prose poems uh, in in a really long
2: Naral- form. Uh, I think is an excellent example of a prose poem, but
3: yeah, I for sure. Start on that. No, I, I agree. I think, I mean, I think, I, I kind of take the same approach. Like my my prose writing is very like I've made it because it's set in the 1920s, so I'm like deliberately using very antiquated okay. ways of writing. So I think it may not be super popular. I shouldn't say this; my publisher would <laughs> kill me. But like, I don't I don't think it'll ever be a bestseller because like it's not like easy to read.
2: Well, you know, that's it's those hidden
3: hidden gems that
2: are are so rare and so wonderful to find
3: yeah but i think people like you like people you would meet at the lovecraft film festival would appreciate it so it's a small audience but it's an audience nevertheless
2: the last time we talked you had mentioned or you talked about your puppet shows how is that going
3: uh so i'm still doing them um i just did a puppet show um last halloween uh at a place called the um the book pub in portland i don't know if you've ever been there uh and it was like kind of a poetry night slash puppet show like people got up and read well poems and stories and then we did the puppet show afterwards and it went over it went, went over really well i still like doing puppet shows it's pretty um physically demanding though so yeah I don't know if I can pull it off more than maybe like a couple times a year. Yeah, but, and,
2: and your puppets are marionettes, right?
3: Yeah, they're string puppets. Um, so like you're standing like behind like a curtain, and all the all the audience sees is like this sort of window. Uh, like they just see the marionettes, and there's like sets and like a like props and stuff. So it's Excellent. it's fun, but um, like I said, it's kind of physically demanding.
0: Excellent. But I'm now, hoping
3: to do another one, maybe uh, around, like, well, Perkis night. Okay. Like, April, end of April.
2: Get, get If you can get us the information, I'll make sure that DB puts that out on our shows around then, so that, uh, that people will know it's coming
3: out. Okay, yeah, nothing is, like, finalized yet, but we're okay. aiming for something like like April 30th.
2: Oh, awesome. Yeah, just let us know when and where, and who knows? Uh, you know, if we're finished with the kidding season, maybe I'll be able to show up.
3: <laughs> you should, you should come. Well, I don't know if you've ever been to the Book Bin in Salem, um, but that's where we're probably going to do it.
2: Okay, all right. I, I've not been there, but
3: yeah, it's a it's hey, a bookstore and like in Salem, but okay, Awesome. Yeah,
2: it's should it be? puppets and books. You can't beat that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's supposed to, it's going to be like kind of a literary event. Like people will give readings and then we'll do a puppet show. Awesome. And now um,
2: got it. So, so this is our sort of our signature question and, and I'm really kind of excited to hear what your answer is. If you could be in charge of any creative project and you don't have to worry about copyrights, you don't have to worry about money Uh, You get whoever you want as cast and crew or or
3: support. What is your dream creative project? Oh, wow. Um, That's a a pretty big question. Um, You know, one thing I've always kind of wanted to do was something like having to do with film. Mm. Like actually make a movie. Like I could maybe make... A movie of like one of these 1920s detective stories or, um, or like something Lovecraftian, like something really kind of weird, but also maybe set in that time period. Like it could even be like black and white and, uh, like everyone you know in period dress, like kind of filmed in like old parts of town or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the uh, who I would get to be in it. (laughs) That's yeah, I'd have to think about that.
2: Sure. Well, that would sound great. Well, I have really not only have I learned a lot, I, I've really enjoyed this, and, and we're going to work really hard to try to get you back before a year and a half.
3: Okay. Time. Yeah. No, it's anytime. It's uh, it's always it's always a pleasure to come on this.
2: Well, thank you. And so, real quickly, and I know some of the books are coming out, but you were saying uh, that the the Edenvale of Beacon Hill. Uh, we can get Amazon, and where, where yeah. can we get the others, or when can we get the others?
3: So, well, they're all on Amazon, um, but okay. um, the you can also buy them directly from the publisher. The, the Ettenfell of Beacon Hill is on com. Okay. Um, the balance for the witching hour is on hippocampuspress.com. Okay. And um, – the, a Wheel of Ravens has not come out yet, but I hope it will come out this year. And that is also from com. Excellent.
0: All
2: right. Well, thank you so much. And I uh, can't wait to hear from you again.
3: All right. Yeah, thanks a lot. Dave and D.B. go to
1: the movies. Dave and D.B. go Movie- everyone so this weekend right now we are at a convention we're at a fan convention uh letting you know something about us we're fans of all kinds of things we're not but we don't cosplay i mean like i cosplay sometimes as uh characters from lovecraft but everyone's just like Hey, why are you a handsome fair-haired man in a suit? And I'm like, "Oh, I'm this character from Lovecraft." And they're like, "Oh." And uh yeah, um Dave cosplays as 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 the uh man in the house in the house the, the picture in the house.
2: Oh, yes, the the crazy <laughs> one, the crazy one. No, I actually I actually cosplayed at other conventions. I've done a uh, steampunk yeah, I've done uh, Dallas from Alien. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Very cool. One,
2: ones where you don't have to shave your beards. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Um. And I I I cosplay at events that people don't expect you to cosplay at. Um. My friends and I we used to cosplay as Jedi's. At Burning Man in the 90s when Star Wars was not cool. (laughs) I
2: I, I have occasionally cosplayed at like uh, the grocery store.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, why cosplay is one of our sponsors for this episode. And why cosplay? Why not cosplay? Cosplay's fun. And they've got all kinds of stuff. They've got Star Wars, they've got. A lot of your favorite current anime out there, uh, they've got stuff from movies, they've got stuff from anime, they've got stuff uh, from video games, which I'm also excited about. Um, and yeah, why cosplay? Check out the link. Figure out how to get twenty percent off. I thought it was twenty five percent off. That was an old thing. Don't don't there's no twenty five percent off. But I get you 20% off. Anyway, follow the link, use our code, and in the show notes. And get 20% off of cool wigs, cool accessories, um, cool Dave making noise in the background, and cool outfits. That was my chair. I apologize. No problem. And whycosplay.com, but... Check out the link in the show notes to get yourself some discount and to get us a little bit of that discount that you saved with a Y-Cosplay. Jugga, jugga, jump, jump, jump. So Yeah. uh, We're talking about. The Dunwich Horror. The Dunwich Horror, yeah. So I got a question for you. Go for it.
2: And I, I don't suspect you didn't know the answer to this. Then I'm going to tell you the answer to the question. What was the date and hour that you first saw the Dunwich Horror, the 1970s movie?
1: Oh, um, I, I actually can answer that.
2: Ooh, it may be the same
0: day. Okay. Wait, what's uh, your it-
1: was uh november 12th uh 2005 and it was somewhere between 2 and 5 p.m i was super 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 sick and i wandered down to movie madness which is just down the hill for me and i rented a but an armload of lovecraft and collapsed so yeah
2: oh so I first saw it October twenty fifth, nineteen eighty one, eight o'clock Pacific time.
1: Whoa!
2: You know how I know that? I'm actually impressed that you knew yours.
1: You you looked uh, you looked it up in the TV guide.
2: It's close. So I saw it. It was actually the fifth movie in Elvira's Mystery Macabre. Oh, and interesting!
0: So,
2: uh, the first one. I think it was The Grave of the Vampire. And Uh for some bizarre reason, there was two TV shows that my family would gather and watch Uh as a family. The Muppet Show and and Elvira. And the first point I ever heard that there was a a Dunwich Horror Mm -hmm. was, so she was giving previews of the next shows. And one of them was the Dunwich Horror. And I had just read the Dunwich Horror. Uh-huh. It's the second Lovecraft story I'd ever read. And and I had to have read it somewhere, 80, 81, and I was so excited. I saw it and I was so disappointed. <laughs> but part of that part of that was because, you know, I was a 14 year old, well, almost 14 year old boy, uh, still 13 at the time. Um, and I really expected this true Lovecraftian adaptation, and it's not what I got. Yeah. Uh, and even more, uh, I, I got the TV
1: edited version. Yes, of course.
2: So, um, so yes. Um, it's the first place I so the first place I ever saw the Dunwich Horror. First place I ever heard of the movie Dunwich Horror. Uh, was Elvira's uh, uh, movie macabre.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's that's pretty fun. And, yeah, no, you would not have had... Uh, Dean Stockwell would not have been Dr. Yui in uh, Dune or been in a bunch of David Lynch films or even uh, Al from Quantum Leap. He was... A character actor who, unfortunately, was <laughs> in this uh, um, Roger Corman horror film. <laughs> and,
2: exactly, and um, and and uh, uh, I kind exactly, and that's the first thing you know. As a thirteen-year-old kid, the first thing was okay. They moved it. From the 20s to the 70s. You know, yeah. okay, that's just, that was just not, that, I mean, uh, within a couple of years, Dracula 72 is going to come out. So, I mean, that's yeah. just what they did. I, I, I get that. But the other thing that, as a kid, really bothered me was the fact that, yeah, Wilbur uh, or Watley or Whitley was not this goat guy.
1: No. Nope.
2: That, the, 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 you know, he was sort of this combination of Mr. Cotta and, you know, know, uh, somebody getting kicked out of the Playboy Club. (laughs) But I kind of, you know, as I'm a little older, and I've seen this with different eyes, and there's this sort of, and, and Dean Stockwell has basically said, that he played this character tongue-in-cheek.
0: Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. He
2: he played it as if it was a joke that he was in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that scene where he's, like, uh, doing this um, sort of magic thing where yeah. he's got his hands out that look like L's.
0: Yeah. And, and,
2: and I guess that's kind of... Mocking uh, an Alistair Crawley picture.
1: Correct,
0: yeah.
2: But don't you kind of get, knowing the source material, don't you get it's kind of maybe links with uh, the deep ones? Yeah, yeah, kind of I like can see that. And, and there's one scene that I really kind of liked, and I actually rewatched it again. Is the scene where he takes uh, Nancy, the, the Sandra D character,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: and and he's sort of hypnoti- he's hypnotizing her, right? Yeah. And they're up on the shore, and it gets circum uh, it gets you know cut in uh, circumposed on the waves. Yeah. You know, and, and and I I think they they kind of went, I don't well, I think they kind of went art tried to go art housey. Yeah. So it's brainwashing, but again, this is reading way much more than it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. But again, that kind of maybe ties into the the, the deep ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, no. 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 Uh, there's 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 something about like he feels less like Wilbur Waitley and more like a male version of Azaneth uh, Waite.
2: Yeah, I, I, I can see that.
0: Yeah. And
2: the other thing, I think, I mean, obviously, it it's somewhere, um, you know, Dunwich Horror is in there somewhere. Yeah. And I think it was also greatly influenced by um, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Which came out. So I think that they, I think they were trying to maybe get some Rosemary, uh, Rosemary Baby vibe because it was a huge success just a year before.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, correct, yeah.
2: So, um, uh, um, you know, the writer, and I am trying to remember real quickly, uh, oh, is among, there were three writers, but the main one was Curtis Hansen. Okay. And Curtis Hansen is going to be uh, most famous... For well, he wrote. He did the screenplay of the Disney uh, TV version or movie version of Never Cry Wolf. Oh, oh, okay. He also is the won the Academy Award for the screenplay of L.A. Confidential. Oh, cool. Yeah, he also did uh, Wonder Boys, uh, Eight Mile. Yeah.
1: Um.
2: So he's he's. Um, he he's done quite a bit. Well, he's he's passed away, um, but um, yeah. So he 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 obviously has some talent here. Yeah, uh, he definitely has some talent, especially. Uh, I mean, Never Cry Wolf and La Confidential were like, much uh, horror than that. They were based movies based on existing books. Yeah. So he, if you give him something to work with, and I'm not saying he wasn't creative in his own right, but mm-hmm. that was that was his bread and butter. That was why people give him awards, sure. is because he can take previously written things and translate them into the screen. Um, and there's, I think, there's some scenes there, yeah, that are. Um are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think they tried too hard to maybe go hammer and roseberry's baby. So yeah. it, it, it's rotten tomatoes is about twenty-three percent.
1: Oh yeah, no, it has a terrible, terrible rotten tomatoes score.
2: And um I I read uh I, I found a, a copy of online of Seminolique or Semophonique. Mm-hmm. Uh that has the original review, uh, and it, it it says pretty much the same thing. That the cast is kind of wasted. Oh not, yeah, not, not not really coherent. And, and remember, this is 1970, so yeah. Lovecraft was still a niche. But even in this, in this nationally published magazine, you know, it talks about this being. The first, or one of the first, real Lovecraftian adaptations, uh, mentioning, you know, um, Die Monster, Die being based on the color out of space. Yeah. But yeah, the critics didn't really like it.
0: Mm -mm.
2: And, you know, I could buy, I mean, even back then they had Dawson casting. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, Sandra D was 28 when she did the movie. Okay. And so she's supposed to be like a, like a uh, an undergraduate in college. Yeah. I you know okay I, I, I can kind of buy that, but one of the reviews I found calls her fat <laughs> as a fat coed. Jeez. Jeez. And, and,
0: and, wow. And,
2: and, yeah. No. I, I I you know I, I would. I, yeah. I, I I think that's wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah no 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 there's there's an amazing cast besides Sandra D we have Dean Stockwell who's a character actor who goes on to do a lot of really great character acting as i said he worked with David Lynch in like Blue Velvet and Dune and he was in Quantum Leap which was Oh yeah he was Al he he played uh, a main character in a show that ran for a number of years on NBC, and you know Dean Stockwell has done a lot, is known for a lot, and Ed Bagley Sr. Not Ed Bagley Jr. Yeah, who is most
2: famous senior. now for yeah. being
1: the father of Ed Bagley. Jr. But you know, just just watch Twelve Angry Men, and you'll know who Ed Bagley Sr. is if if you've watched, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) is there anyone else famous in this? So uh, she's known mainly
2: as uh, Talia Shire.
1: Okay. That's her married name.
2: But she's actually, was born, I believe, uh, Talia Coppola. Huh.
0: Okay.
2: She's uh, one of the Coppola uh, family. And she only plays like a a nurse, she's not in there a, a lot. Yeah. But she's done a lot of things. Most, um, oh, uh, probably the most famous is Rocky's wife.
1: Okay, okay.
2: You, you know, she's the, Yo know, Adrian? Yeah, yeah. But she's also, because she's a Coppola, she plays, like, little kids in uh, the, Godfather. Uh, you know, the Godfather and other, yeah. you know, Coppola movies.
1: Uh, that's yeah, no, that's 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 true. Also, I want to say Sam Jaffe is in there. Um, um, no one else who I know <laughs> and other people are like, wait a minute, don't you know about so and so or so and so? And I'm like, I'm not Ken Height. I don't I don't know that stuff.
0: Yeah. But <laughs>
2: um, uh, another sort of character actor did a lot more TV. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not Michael J. Fox, but Michael Fox.
1: Oh yeah. The J. reason Michael J. Fox has to have the J in his name.
2: Yeah. So he was like in everything in the the fifties and sixties TV. Yeah. Uh, Perry Mason, Gunsmoke. Um, you know the Untouchables. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he played a a couple of. Times as a detective in the Batman TV
1: series, Lost of Space. Yeah, he he was just in like everything. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. That's very true. Very true. Uh, another character actor in in this mm. film. <laughs> it's like someone went down, and like, all right, we got we got Sander D. Uh, someone go down to central Gosh. central casting and get us uh, whoever just whoever. <laughs> yeah. So so I and Sandra D
2: had just broken up her con her contract or ended with um I think it was Universal. Uh-huh. And she was looking for something different. Yeah. And so I think we got to, and and i believe believed this for years. And and, and you're maybe going to be the the expert here uh because I've I believed it because I watched the edited TV version. Uh-huh. But the urban legend... Oh, okay. ...is, of course, and the studio pushed it, that she appears topless.
1: Yeah, no, she appears topless on the poster.
2: Yeah. And, and so even even the scenes of, like, a little bit of... um. Side, those are almost guaranteed to be uh, a stand in. Yeah. Uh, but the story, and and I believe this for years because I'd seen the edited version, you know. So um, she came out very strong. I will not do this need, nude scene. Uh-huh. Uh, but the studio definitely pushed it like it was yeah. uh, and handed. And 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 there's another rumor, which may or may not true, because even though she doesn't appear nude, she appears rather um, with very little clothes, and she has to get into the altar wearing that. Is that API built a second set for her?
1: Oh yeah, because
2: she was not comfortable. Because she would be nude, and you people who are listening to this can't see my air quotes here. Well, mm-hmm. she never appeared nude. Yeah. And API is notorious for not spending money. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And, oh, at, yeah. At, at yeah.
2: Same, they're they're famous. I mean, not because not, they didn't have money. No. Uh, and they are actually pretty creative in getting through things with. Um, I'm, I mean, I think they did very well on low budgets. They yeah, were, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they they got a lot of intern type stuff, but I can't see that. I don't know if that's a true story. No, because no. Because she I... never really appears. Now I could see a closed set and maybe something separate. Yeah, but but the rumor that they posted at the time that they had to build a second private private um, set for her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't see. Yeah, I don't see American International doing that. American International is like. It's it's not around these days, but or if it is, it's it's called something else, but it's it's one of those those film companies like Canon. They're not going to spend the money. They're going to get someone else to do it. And you know they're going to spin a rumor they're going to get people to be like whoa yeah no i saw up sat in the rafters and hubba hubba baby yeah i mean they no i mean this isn't <laughs> this isn't yeah. how stuff is done these days but or is it i don't know but yeah, yeah.
2: so yeah so i i mean i'm that as so the, the main claim to fame that this show has is the is the urban legend?
0: Yes.
1: I I I've always liked the animated intro for the movie. Personally, I I always thought that was very kind of cool, like a a Saul Bassian kind of like uh, depiction of like uh, uh, cults. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's yeah. So
2: there there are some good parts. Yeah. And there are some parts that maybe even love crafting. And so one other thing though, I think we got to kind of maybe talk about, yeah, is there strange representation of the elder sign? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so so and and it appears on, I think, the blanket that goes on top of Sandra D mm-hmm. and on uh, Dean Stockwell's ring.
1: yep, I was gonna say Wilbur's ring and the uh, the floor thing, but yeah,. yeah.
2: And that I believe was Stockwell's ring.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was it see? was a family ring and oh goodness, it's actually something it's it's Native American. I can't remember what it is. What's that?
2: It's a Thunderbird. Oh, okay. okay. It's a Thunderbird symbol and the use, And you don't really notice it because there's all these sort of things around it, but at the center it's a, a Thunderbird. Okay. Which but it's actually kind of cool. Huh. Interesting. Very, yeah, but,
1: very interesting.
2: Yeah, that's about all that I can think of, though. Yeah. Um, about that movie, other Yeah. Than it. I, and I do understand though. Uh huh. And I have not, but people have told me that have seen the the Blu-ray version.
0: Yeah. That
2: there, the the conversations about the movie are like twice as long as the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you like, you know, you know uh, AIP stuff, if you like uh, – and I understand there's actually some parts on it to talk about the actual story. So if you're the type of people – or the, the actual Lovecraft story, if you're the type of people who love commentary, I understand it's worth watching for the commentary. It's just going
1: to take you at least twice as long. And if you're like me, you like animated intros – Rubber snakes and boobs, this is a movie for you.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, would you recommend this movie to people, Dave?
0: Um Uh
2: certain people, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, would I Would I recommend it? Like I recommend things like the birds or you know uh, a creature from the black lagoon. Mm -hmm. No, but if somebody is interested in like hammer horror, yeah, or you know really did think that Rosemary's Baby is the greatest movie ever, Uh and uh they want to get a uh, you know, uh, 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 they 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 just didn't get enough of their their uh, rosemary baby uh, infusion. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you know what you're getting to going into, it's not terrible,
1: yeah, yeah. and and i, I again, I, I say it's 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 a good kind of infusion of. Thing at the doorstep meets the Dunwich horror. It's just gender-swapped for, you know, Wilbur Waitley is now a- Azeneth Waite, and uh, Sandra D plays an unknown character named Nancy yeah. Wagner, who doesn't appear in any Lovecraftian stories. <laughs> Why? Because she's an attractive woman who's, yeah. you know, the Protagonist. <laughs> uh,
2: so, uh, what I would not recommend it is if somebody just—the uh, only reason they were going to watch it is because they're a huge Lovecraft fan. Yeah. No. Do uh, you going to watch it because you want to say see, you've seen every
1: uh, Lovecraftian version that's ever been put to film? Yeah. Go for it. If but, if you know what a Roger Corman film is and you say, "Oh, I'm up for that. This is a good film for you." Yeah, yeah. If you, if if you like to make fun of movies, you like to MST3K it, this is a great movie. This is an amazing film for that. This is a good film to make fun of like a lot of uh, American international films. Uh, it's it's kind of like it as you said before, Dave, it's 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 disappointing what this film is like considering who's in it but it's like where they're at in their career is makes sense for everyone (laughs) yes all right all right well that is the the fun yet disappointing the Dunwich horror 1970
2: that's gonna be my new nickname the fun yet disappointing David
1: (laughs) okay Well, I'm I'm not going to call you that, but all right. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thank you again so much for uh, listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. If you're still here, if you're still listening, uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. We don't use it. Uh, It just is like auto. Anyway, uh, check us out on the YouTube. Uh, Go to PGTTCM.com, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. PGTTCM at gmail.com if you have a question or a comment. And let us know what you like. Let us know what you think is boring or dumb. And uh, come see us this weekend at uh, what's this thing called? Fan Expo. It's PDX. At, PDX. It's at the Portland Convention Center on MLK. So check us out. We're going to be there. February 17th to the 19th. I'm going to be on a bunch of panels. Dave's going to be on a bunch of panels. I'm going to be at booth 1133 helping my buddy JC. That is Jeremy Clark. Not anyway. I'm selling guitar stuff. He's selling 3D printed uh, fan art things. Uh, And yeah, no, we'll see you next time when we'll be talking about. According to my list, we'll be talking about Pikmin and Alien, so yeah.
2: Yeah, so it's going to be a, a good one.
1: Yep, yep. All right, we'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. That was a good episode. Yeah, it was I, pretty good. I, I don't know why, but I always salute people when I say, have a good one, and it's like, oh. I'm, I'm not even... Okay, anyway. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much, Dave. I'm gonna go eat my birthday meal somewhere. <laughs> well, happy birthday! And thank you, thank uh, I'll, you.
2: I'll send you this. I'll send you at uh, the Adam's interview, and plus he sent me a couple of links, uh, just of his books.
0: Those,
1: oh, cool! I'll, I'll, put, I'll just put those in the chat. Thank you so much. All right, I'll talk to you later, Dave. All right, take care. All right, mm, you too. Bye.